Hey everybody, welcome to episode 320 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas. Excited to be back with you today. First of all, my apologies if my voice is a little bit gruff and scratchy, dealing with some allergy issues here in Austin this week, but we are working through it and excited to be back with you. On today's topic, I'm going to talk about something I get asked about a fair amount People want to know about grit. How can I know whether or not I could push harder? How how can I know whether or not I have more in the tank? How do I have the grit to work through hard things in workouts and in races? And so I'm going to give you nine things to think about today relative to your own personal journey of building that grit and resilience, that staying power when it gets hard on the roads in a workout or in a race. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before I get there, quickly want to thank my sponsors for this episode. Care of, a longtime sponsor of mine, our vitamin and supplement subscription service. So I'll talk about them mid-episode and then also BetterHelp. The largest online therapy provider is another sponsor for today's today's episode. I'll be talking about both of them at different points during the middle of the episode. So stay tuned for offers. But thanks to Care of and BetterHelp for what have now been longer term partnerships really with both of them, which has been great. So with that, we'll jump into my conversation. I want to talk about grit. How can you think about and teach yourself how to have more grit, more resilience. One of the things that recent science has told us is that you can actually flex your grit muscle. There are people that would say perhaps or have the perception that grit is something that you're either born with or not. Resiliency is something you're born with or not. And I do think it may come naturally to some versus others, but this is something that everybody can build and can work on. So in this episode, I'm going to give you nine things to think about in building grit, getting more out of yourself when it's time, when you need it on race day or in a tough workout. So that's what we're chatting about today. And I think it's appropriate given that the summer conditions are kicking in and we're all going to need grit to work through our training during these summer months. So let's jump in. Nine things for today's episode. The first one. It's pretty straightforward. I I just want you to recognize that it's a journey, that it's a journey, that just like with learning how to gauge effort and how to teach yourself how to dial into a pace, perhaps on a workout, some of the technical details of working out a pace in a workout, this is similar to that in that it's something, it's a muscle that you're building, that you're flexing that you're improving over time, regardless of what your starting point may be. And there is really no end point. Because even as someone myself who's been doing this for 20 plus years, I'm always learning about how I can get more out of myself. And also, the goalposts are essentially moving as well. You know What it took for me to get to a sub three-hour marathon and the components of grit that I need to get there are different now than what it's going to take for me to get to my goal of hopefully someday running a 240 marathon. And, and those things aren't different necessarily because those, the time one time is faster than the other. 
there are other components to the journey in, in that I'm at a different place in life. I've got different reasons why I want what I want. I've got different experiences to draw on. And also, in some ways, I have reasons to be satisfied with my results to this point. So as I have as I am here trying to dig down to that next level, it means the challenges are different. What it means for me to have grit and to be resilient in the face of challenges is different now for a lot of reasons, not just because the, the time is faster, but also because I'm at a different place in life and I have different experiences to draw from. So it is a journey that never stops. And that in and of itself might be discouraging for some of you because you're thinking, man, how am I ever going to learn this if, it, if there's a never end, if, it, if there's no end to the learning process? But hopefully, instead, it actually gives you some relief that wherever you are, wherever your starting point is, you can get better on this dimension by working on it. And that process is going to evolve constantly and you're going to constantly be learning. And we'll talk about it in a minute, but if you if you don't apply judgment to yourself at any stage, then it's actually quite fun to experience the evolution of this journey to find grit and resilience. So it's a journey. It's never ending. There may also be some of you that are newer to the journey. I can tell you as someone who grew up playing soccer and playing volleyball and running at some level as a part of those sports, but also sometimes on my own, I had more experience with suffering, so to speak, coming into my later adult running journey because I had been pushed to find and test my limits in other ways in sport before I started my running journey. And so I knew a little bit about what that would look like when I got into running and was able to translate some of those experiences over to running and say, hey, I know when I've reached a limit or I know when it's hurting more and I need to either adjust or back off or dig in. But there are some people that may not have had that experience in team sports or individual sports growing up. And so when they get into running as their sport later in life, they have less experience to draw from. And so they're perhaps every time they do a workout or even sometimes every time they do a run, they're uncovering new things about themselves along this journey that might seem a little scary and daunting initially. And also there's a lot of unknowns because again, You've never had some of these experiences, so experiencing it for the first time, you just don't know what you don't know. And so part of this discussion is also giving you encouragement that it's okay if you're starting this grit journey later. It's okay if you're not sure what it should look like to suffer on the run and how that should modulate from an easy run to a hard workout. Those things are okay to not know or not have a lot of experiences to draw from. And it's going to be exciting for you to step into this journey and to see the evolution because that's exactly what it is. It doesn't matter what your starting point is. It's a journey. And as long as you're learning along the way, then you have, you have success. You have something to celebrate. So that's point one. Recognize its journey. And no matter your starting point, there is no end point. It's just all about continuing to learn and evolve as you go. And that means if you're doing that, 
then number my number two point kicks in, which is that, as I already alluded to, you're not judging outcomes along the way. You're simply taking your lessons and moving them forward into the next stage of the journey. So we've all probably, if you're listening to this podcast, had an experience in a workout or in a race where you thought, at the end, you thought, well, I could have probably dug a little deeper there. I probably could have gotten more out of this one. We probably all had those experiences. And it's easy to beat ourselves up over those experiences and to say, oh, gosh, I should have pushed harder there. I could have gotten a faster pace if I just dot, dot, dot. Or if I just dug a little deeper, dot, dot, dot. We're going to have those types of experiences all the time. In workouts, in races, you're likely going to finish many of them feeling like you were hungry for more. There's a temptation to judge that and say, oh, I'm not, I'm just not good at this. I can't dig deep. I don't know how to. It's not a strength of mind. Again, getting back to what I just talked about a few episodes ago about these stories, these lies we tell ourselves, these stories in our head. There'll be some of you where the narrative becomes, I'm just not good at digging deep. I'm just not good at having grit, having resilience. And simply not true. So you need to avoid the temptation to pass judgment on yourself. That is not helpful, not productive. Instead, dig into the lessons. What can you learn so that the next time you're presented with that same situation, you can perhaps approach it differently and maybe get a slightly different outcome, a quote, better outcome relative to being able to get more out of yourself. So that's the key here. Take your lessons. If you're not taking your lessons, then you can't claim success. But as long as you're taking your lessons, you can claim success no matter what. And that is such a critical lesson to learn, but it's really, really hard to learn because we want to always pass judgment on ourselves. And so when you have these experiences in workouts, when you have these experiences, especially in races, take notes, write down what you learned, look back at your splits and reflect on how it felt at various points and where you may have gotten into trouble and how you responded in the moment and how you could have perhaps responded differently. And one thing to remember when you're thinking about those lessons is, and I'll get to this as we get through these nine points, is it's not always as simple as saying, oh, I should have dug deeper there. It's not always that simple. So make sure that you're assimilating these lessons in a way that are going to be helpful and productive. And again, I'll cover some of that in these the remainder of these points. The other thing I want to mention about this idea of not judging yourself in the journey is that I also think we all have a little bit different perception of what it looks like to have grit, to have resilience. And I talked about this on a prior episode about how do you know if you've given your all in a workout or on race day? How do you know? Because I think we have this this movie theater idea of what that looks like, which is about 
simply blood, sweat, and tears. It's about this idea of never relenting. But really, that's not what it necessarily looks like. It could simply look like, in some cases, holding on to your pace when everything hurts more than ever. Maybe slowing down a little bit, but doing so in a way that limits the, quote, damage to your overall time with as much of your grit and resilience as you can. So it may not look like anything glorious at all. It might simply mean not walking off the course and finishing in spite of a big challenge that you faced on that day. It can look like a lot of different things. Having grit, having resilience can look like a lot of different things. And we need to be open to that fact because otherwise, if you want it to look like a movie every time, then you're going to be disappointed and you're also going to have the wrong idea in your head about what this is really about. So that's number two. Don't pass judgment. Just take your lessons and move on. Number three. And this is one that people might debate with me, but I contend that you can't have grit. You can't have resilience if you don't save yourself for the most intense moments. You have to have the discipline and patience to save yourself for the hard days, for the hard moments. Some people who go hard all the time, I'm convinced that it's a form of self-sabotage. They're running hard on their easy days. They're running hard on their recovery days. They're running too fast versus prescribed paces on their workout days. I'm convinced that for some people, the motivation of that isn't that they want to be their best and they just don't know better. It's actually that they're self-sabotaging. They're compromising their ability to have their best result when it counts so that they can claim an excuse. Instead, the gritty, the resilient are actually doing the opposite. They're having the patience to slow down on their easy days. They're having the discipline to run the paces as prescribed when they are prescribed. They understand how all of this fits together, how their easy days are important for recovery and for aerobic foundation so that they can put even more into their hard days and race day when it comes. Having grit and resilience is absolutely about that patience, that discipline. It's not about hammering all the time, even though perhaps the movie theaters would paint it that way. It's actually about that calm, cool, and collected person who knows when to slow down when they should, and who knows how to save themselves via proper recovery for the days that matter. Because if you do that, if you do that, and it can be scary to say it this way, but if you do that, then you give yourself even more tools to bring to the table when it's time to go deep. That may be in workouts, not all, but some, and it's certainly going to be on rates day. If you haven't balanced things appropriately, then you can't do that. You can't show the grit and resilience that you could have because you've compromised that muscle a little bit by having poor training habits. So having grit and resilience is as much about 
patience and discipline and sometimes slowing down when you should instead of the opposite of that, which sometimes we glorify, which is that person who is is pressing no matter what, who's overbearing, who's, quote, digging deep all the time, who doesn't have any other speed but one. That's not grit and resilience. Grit and resilience is saving yourself for the moments that matter by training the right way. And again, it's really, really hard to do that. It's not easy. It's taxing on your ego. It's counterintuitive, perhaps mentally, even though I talk about it a lot on this podcast. But that's what it is. Save yourself for those moments that matter. That's grit and resilience. It's not easy either. It's not easy to have the patience to do that. It's not easy to set your ego aside and say, you know what? Let that person go today because I'm going to save it for the day that matters. That's not easy. But it isn't glorified either in our world, our training culture, our exercise culture that says that if you're not suffering every time you're out there, then you're not doing it hard enough. It's counterintuitive to those things. But it's very intuitive to getting the most out of your running journey. And for me, that's a picture of grit and resilience is that disciplined person, that patient person who isn't wasting themselves on the days that don't matter. They're saving themselves for the days that do. So that's number three, have that discipline. All right, before we get to number four, I want to quickly talk about my sponsor, Care Of. They've now been a partner of mine for over two years. They are a subscription service that ships high-quality personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month so you don't have to think about it. I actually just recently added their plant-based protein, vanilla flavor for me, to my monthly shipments, and it's been a great addition to help me make sure I'm getting enough protein in my diet for performance. I also take vitamin D, ashwagandha, and other supplements that help me get what I need to perform my best as I'm on my journey towards hopefully a PR in the marathon. And you can get on that journey as well by going to their site, takecareof.com. You take a short in-depth quiz about your lifestyle and health goals for a personalized doctor back recommendation on what to include in your monthly packs. You get to evaluate everything they're recommending and then pick and choose what's right for you in those packs They'll ship them to you, and then you simply take one a day and get what you need to get your performances kick-started this summer. Their vitamin packs are also plant-based compostable film, so it's easy to limit the impact on the environment without compromising the quality and safety of the products themselves. So for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code ROGUE50. That's R-O-G-U-E-5-0. Again, go to takecareof.com. Use the code ROGUE50 for 50% off that first order. You won't regret it. Okay, let's jump in with number four on this list. This one actually comes to me from my daughter's soccer camp this week. As I was reflecting on this topic, it happened to come up in the closing ceremonies where she was at a soccer camp at the University of Texas and the University of Texas soccer women's soccer coach was speaking to the girls as they wrapped the camp shout out to the longhorns and their soccer team but she was talking about this idea of grit 
and how she instills it in her team. And one of the things, one of the ways she said that was by reminding them to stay positive, to stay positive. That part of having grit and resilience is your ability to stay positive in the face of challenging circumstances. And that's not irrational positivity. And that doesn't mean that you don't have bad moments or bad days. It just means that the overarching attitude that you wake up and bring to your training every day is one that is positive, that has us, that, that has you wearing a smile, that has you having fun with it. Because if you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you're going to have a spiral. When you get to those tougher moments, you can either lean on that positivity to work through it, knowing that there will be better moments, or if you lean on negativity, then that forces you to spiral in, in a way that won't be helpful and won't be productive. So this coach was emphasizing that point is stay positive. It's a huge part of having the right frame of mind for bringing grit and resilience to your running journey. It also is contagious. It rubs off on other people. If you have anybody else involved with you in the journey, then this is a really, really critical point because if you're negative, it's going to bring down those around you. But if you're positive, then it's going to actually give mojo to those around you that might be your running buddies and anybody else who might be surrounding you and providing support on the pathway to your goals because it's also in many ways self-fulfilling if if you're positive it'll bring positivity to others which will ultimately turn around and pay back to you so stay positive it is a critical part of having grit and resilience and many of you say might say well what does that look like what does that look like what's the practical reality of what that looks like and i think there's a couple of examples i can provide One is smiling, making a habit of smiling when you get to do the sport. I know it's well discussed, but this is a strategy that Elliot Kipchoge uses in his marathons. When he's suffering, he smiles, forces himself to smile. Because when you smile, it causes you to naturally relax, which helps you sustain whatever effort you might be running. It also takes your mind off the pain and perhaps allows you to refocus it on the things that are fun about what you're doing. I mean, we sign up for this. We get to suffer. So we can't beat ourselves up for putting ourselves in that position when we, we put ourselves there. In fact, that's what we wanted. We wanted it to be hard because we wanted to find out what might happen in those situations where you're digging deep, you're finding those limits, finding that edge. So you signed up for this and sometimes smiling just helps you remember that it's, it is actually a choice. It is actually fun to do it. So that's one practical reality. Another practical reality is this idea of being focused on the potential good outcomes versus being focused on the possible negative outcomes. We like generally as humans, especially human runners, to camp out on the what if negatives what if this bad thing happens? What if I miss my time? What if it hurts too much? What if I can't run as fast as I think I need to at the end of the race? What if, what will others think of me when I run a slower time than I wanted? What if, what if, what if, negative? We always go to that place versus camping out and staying in the what if positive. What if it goes well? 
What if I enter an amazing flow state and I feel great the whole time? What if I crush my goal? What if I get my goal and everybody's so happy and we celebrate together? Or what if I don't get my goal, but I have this amazing experience anyway with my team or those supporting me? What are the what if positives? Camp out there. And that's not to say you're always there or that you don't occasionally let yourself worry about or have anxiety about the potential what ifs negatives. But if you're going to spend more time in one place or the other, I'm encouraging you to spend it in the what if positive place because that is much more productive and is also more in line with the possible reality of the outcomes out there. It's really likely if you've done the work that you're going to have a great day or that you're going to get your goal. That's often the way it works, especially if the weather cooperates. So you have a lot going for you. Stepping into any of these situations and to assume the worst is going to happen is statistically an inaccurate assumption. So don't camp there. Another way to stay into in a positive mindset is to think about those that inspire you, that you know. Whether you know them directly or whether you know them by following them as a fan of the sport, camp out in that land that is inspiring, that lifts you up, that makes you believe that these things are possible if other people can do it as well. That's another place to be that's going to help you silence those negative thoughts in your head and really amplify the positive ones. So that's number four, stay positive. Positivity is a foundation for grit and resilience. Number five, challenge yourself in workouts and in training. Challenge yourself in workouts and in training. Ultimately, if you're going to do hard things on race day, you have to do hard things in training. It's as simple as it gets. And of course, those hard things need to be appropriately balanced. As we already talked about, this isn't about hammering every day. This is about, for most people, one hard speed workout a week and one long, long run that might be challenging for you. It's a couple times a week of really pushing yourself. And even in those couple of times, not every single one of those is going to be super difficult. But you've got to sprinkle it in. And and this is where what I like to call anything workouts comes into play. These are workouts where if you can do this, you can do anything. They're workouts that scare you a little bit when you read them on paper. That make you think, I'm not sure if I can do that. But if they're appropriately calibrated, especially with a coach who knows what they're doing, then it'll be something that's achievable, but really, really difficult. And then when you compare that to what you might face on race day, you think, I got this. If I can do that, I can do anything. We did one of these workouts in my Wednesday morning group here in Austin this week, where we hit a hill in Austin called Rainbow Hill. If you've never done Rainbow Hill in Austin, you're missing out. Really short, but super steep uphill. And we did some hill reps on that, accompanied with some flat 200s. You mix that with a warm, summer, humid day in Austin, and you have the recipe for what, again, I call an anything workout. You can do that. You can do anything. And that hill particularly is an initiation hill 
for many new morning show members, you're not really, really a member until you get that one done. And that was a first for many this week who are now initiated fully into our programming. We also have challenging long runs and long run workouts that we do that will, again, when you compare them to what you might face on race day, you'll think, yeah, it may not be as far as I'll run on race day, but the hills, especially here in Austin, are way more challenging. And so that might be a way that we add challenge to a long run that makes it become an anything long run. Of course, we'll also add pace work to some long runs where you might do a bunch of work at marathon pace and then maybe finish with mile repeats and half marathon pace at the track at the end. That type of workout isn't anything workout. Specifically set up to repair you for the physiological demands of the race that we're targeting, but it's also challenging enough without being too challenging to be a confidence booster so that, again, if you can do that, you know you can do anything. And so you do have to challenge yourself with rigorous workouts. Again, this is in the context of a properly balanced training program where you're running easy on your easy days, you're running easier on your recovery days, so you're able to really invest in these days these speed days, these long run workouts that matter. But if you can do that and you can claim success, or even if you think you could have done better, even if you just learn from the workout after completing it, then it sets you up for the ability to carry that over to race day. Because ultimately we have to practice everything in order to have success. And one of the things you have to practice is doing hard things. So do hard things in training sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes, so that you can then carry those experiences forward, carry those lessons forward to race day. That's number five. Challenge yourself. Number six. Number six, you have to learn to relax into the pain. You have to learn to relax into the pain. We get speed from relaxation. And when the going gets tough, when the breathing escalates, when the heart rate starts beating faster, you have to learn in those moments to relax into it rather than trying to grit it out with your teeth clenched. It doesn't work that way. This is a hard skill to learn as a runner, but it's so, so critical. When the going gets tough, you have to relax into it. You're going to get more out of yourself. You can do that. One of the One of the images that I want you to think about as it relates to this point is there's a Latin phrase, carpe diem. It's a Latin phrase, carpe diem. It means seize the day. You've probably heard that phrase used. And especially in the U.S., but really in all Western philosophy, when people bring up the phrase carpe diem, your mind goes to people, to imagery of people that are really pressing, that are digging in, that are giving everything that are squeezing the life out of themselves in order to get something out of a certain day. That's, that's the imagery we think about. It's an aggressive sort of aggro type mentality to seize the day. That's the imagery you think about, at least in Western philosophy. The problem with that is that it's actually the wrong imagery. The original poem that, that includes Carpe Diem by Horace actually had a very different kind of imagery related to carpe diem. 
And at one point, Robert Frost, the American poet, actually wrote about it in a way that's accurate, but we've lost the original meaning of that phrase, seize the day. It's not actually about being aggressive and gritting your teeth. It's actually about relaxing and, in many ways, enjoying the moment. Carpe diem, translated directly from the Latin, means pluck the day. And the imagery that was trying to be conveyed with the phrase is an imagery as if you were working inside on a beautiful spring day with the flowers blooming. And instead of continuing to work, you recognize the beauty of the day and the transience of the flowers and the blooms that you see on a spring day. And instead of staying inside and doing your work and doing the thing that you're supposed to do to be productive, you actually go outside and enjoy the beauty of the day and stay present in the moment and perhaps pluck a flower and look at it and enjoy its beauty. So it's actually imagery of seizing the moment to enjoy rather than the moment to be aggressive and press. And so that's the kind of mentality that I want you to think about with this idea of relaxing. That it's, it's actually about learning to enjoy, settle in, be present. And taking that to those hard moments is so much easier said and done when you're actually running. But it totally works. You have to learn to relax, which means that I encourage you to have a relaxation routine. For me, I typically go head to toe while I'm running. I'll be thinking about sometimes with my eyes just a little bit closed. Some people can't do that. I get it. But, but you're essentially going body part by body part, starting with your face and your cheeks and mentally checking off the box of each one of saying, is that a relaxed body part? Am I moving and letting my smile cause my cheeks to bounce freely? Are my shoulders relaxed with my sternum high so that I'm not letting my shoulders creep up around my ears, which we often do when we get tense? Are my arms flowing freely at my side? Are my hands gently clenched, not clenched tightly, but gently clenched so that they could hold a potato chip in them without smashing that chip? So they're, they're clenched, but loosely and without costing extra energy. Are my legs flowing freely underneath me to the point of being relaxed? That's the hardest one, by the way. It's hard to think about that and actually make it happen as a runner, but you can do it if you work on it. So finding grit, finding resilience is not about trying to grit your teeth, clench that jaw, squeeze everything out of the day. It's actually about when it gets hard, it's about relaxation. Because if you're relaxed, you can stay fast. You can actually have control over your heart rate and breathing in a way that you don't really think about and the way you have to teach yourself. I'll tell you, it happened to me in a workout yesterday. We were just simply doing one minute pickups, one minute's faster, one minute faster segments in the middle of a medium long run times six. Not a lot, not a lot faster. But when we started, I wasn't relaxed. I was pressing too hard, pressing too much. And as we went, I got into that headspace where I was like, nope, 
that's not how you access the speed. You got to access it by relaxing into it. And so I was able to do that by going to some to some mental tips that I'll talk about in a minute. And the rest of the pickups flowed much more freely and were at least as fast, if not faster, than the first. So you've got to relax into it. If you're not relaxed into it, then you're going to ultimately miss how deep you can go. All right, that's number six. You have to stay relaxed in order to truly get the most from yourself to have grit and resilience. Before we get to number seven, I want to quickly talk about my other sponsor for this episode, BetterHelp. They are the largest online therapy provider, and it couldn't be more easy to access therapy via this resource. One of the things I think that's tough about therapy for some of you, and I can tell you I fall in this camp, is that we're often thinking about everybody else, and we're not necessarily willing, or maybe we don't think we're deserving to really invest in our own situation, our own mental health, because we're caught up in what everybody else might need. But therapy is a way to flip that concept on its head and get help from others in whatever challenge you might be facing in life. It could be as big as dealing with the death of a close friend, as I've gone to therapy for. It could also be as, quote, small as getting help with parenting advice to work through parenting a teenager, which is exactly how I've used BetterHelp. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is go to their site, fill out a brief brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can always switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash running rogue today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash running rogue. Okay, let's get to number seven on my list for finding your own grit and resilience. Number seven is know and practice your mental tools, especially in workouts, especially in workouts. You have to practice what you're going to do on race day in workouts. You simply have to do it. It allows you to try on things for size, figure out what works, but it also allows you to develop to develop those skills to go deep. And we've already talked about one of those tools, which is that mental checklist to relax your body. And I've got others I've talked about in other episodes on this podcast. I'll give you a few now as examples that I think are absolutely critical. Another would be using mantras. I talk about using rhythm mantras and fight mantras on race day, but I would encourage you to identify those mantras that might be relevant for you in a given season, a given cycle, and practice those in workouts before you get to race day. Practice using those rhythm mantras, perhaps on tempo type runs where you're intending not necessarily to hurt, but rather to sustain a comfortably hard pace for longer periods of time. There's also the fight mantras. Practice using those perhaps on tough, intense, shorter reps where you get later in the workout and you're starting to feel like it's catching up to you a little bit in the pace and you're really having to fight to hold on to that pace for those final reps. Practice that stuff because it not only allows you to test some mantras to figure out what works and what resonates with you, but also it flexes that muscle, that mental muscle. And you'll become better at using those mantras to channel your energy towards something that's helpful versus focusing on the pain. 
So that's another example. Another one of my favorites in workouts, and I again used this yesterday in that pickup workout that I was describing, is simply counting. It's a form of a neutral mantra, but counting to 30 or counting to 60 and telling yourself, if I just hold and push for that period of time, then I know I can do it. I know I can get through that segment. And then when you get to the start, you're maybe done with the rep or you're starting to count again to get through that next segment. I was using that on the pickups. I was counting one, two, three, as we executed on those pickups. But I didn't start that actually to the second rep, which actually helped me relax into those pickups. And it also made the pickups fly by faster. Before I started counting, it seemed like they were lasting forever. And I was kind of constantly looking at my watch to see when it was going to be over, when that simple one minute segment would be over. But once I started counting, caught up to me quickly and suddenly we were done and it would just made it much, much easier to execute the workout. So that's another example of something you can do. Chasing others, using others as motivation. I always call it going fishing in a race, but you can go fishing in workouts too, or you can use those that might be doing the workout with you as support. If you can hang on to that person who's next to you, then it helps you distract yourself from your own suffering and pain and helps you find a rhythm with someone else that's more sustainable for you as well. So use the people around you either by chasing them down or by using them to find a rhythm and to sustain that rhythm throughout the workout. So those are some examples, but you have to practice this stuff in workouts in order for it to be effective for you on race day, because then you can also know what's going to work better for you, whether it be a specific mantra, whether it be a specific mental tool, so that you can then deploy the ones that work and are most effective for you when it counts. So that's number seven, know and practice your mental tools. Number eight, don't quit on race day. Don't quit on race day. To me, this is truly the picture of grit and resilience, of giving your all on race day is when you simply won't quit. Now, caveat here, of course, being that if there's a medical situation or it's unsafe for you to finish for whatever reason, then that's okay, totally okay. But if you have the ability to finish and you let yourself quit, then that creates a situation where that may always be in the back of your mind. Look, if you've already done it, that's okay. Again, don't judge, just learn. Just know that that's not a step or pathway you're going to take the next time. But I would encourage you, if you haven't done it, don't do it. Always give what you have, even if that's way less than you expected on the day, even if that's way less than the performance you had hoped for. There's always value in finishing, assuming you can do it safely from a health perspective. There's always value in finishing. You're going to learn things about yourself that you're going to be able to apply to future races. Plus, you're going to avoid that pattern of giving yourself an out that might tempt you to quit again once you've done it once. So don't quit. Always stay in it and give what you have. That doesn't have to look like a movie ending by any stretch. It doesn't have to be glorious. But it's about putting one foot in front of the other with as much effort as you can give and then let the outcome be what it is. And then take your lessons and move on. But there is absolute beauty 
and doing that on days when it's not your day. I can tell you one of my proudest races ever is my personal worst in the marathon. And again, I've talked about this before, but I had to walk the last five miles of the Boston Marathon in 2016 because I had an injury in my foot. And that's one of my proudest moments, not because I was walking on a broken foot, but because of what I learned in those five miles about myself, about others, about that race and what it means to the city of Boston and the people that stand on the sidelines spectating. It was an absolutely beautiful five miles. And I wouldn't trade it for a PR on that course because that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had, even though I was tempted to walk off the course. So number eight here is don't quit. Don't quit, regardless of what outcome might be in store for you. Just trust me on this one. Because if you put yourself in that habit, only finishing when good outcomes are going to happen or when the day is beautiful and perfect, then that's not teaching you grit and resilience at all. That's teaching you the opposite. Number nine. This one's more about perspective than anything else. Most of the time, when you finish a race, even if you got a PR, or of course, certainly if it was your worst race ever, almost every time you're going to finish and you're going to be hungry for more. You're going to be hungry for more. And I think it's easy to confuse that feeling for, oh, I could have squeezed out more seconds. It's easy to confuse that feeling. Again, whether the day be a good one, or certainly you'll know you can squeeze out more on days that, that aren't your best. But that hunger is not a sign that you didn't give your all. It's okay to simultaneously be satisfied with the result if you got what you wanted and also hungry for more. It's okay to be disappointed with your result if you didn't get what you wanted and also walk away with that hunger for more. As a coach, to me, I love seeing that, frankly. I love seeing that hunger. It's really the perfect place to land after a race and it's not a sign that you didn't do enough it's a sign that you're poised to go get more but that's not a reason not to be satisfied those feelings let those feelings coexist let those feelings coexist that feeling of satisfaction of a desire to celebrate getting a goal with also that little person inside of you that says, oh, I could have done a little bit more. And take your lessons from that, whatever they may be, and apply it to the next one. Because as I said at the top, this is a lifelong journey. There's no stopping learning on this dimension of grit and resilience. We never reach a nirvana that says, okay, you're as gritty and resilient as you'll ever be. There's no more to learn. We never get to that point. There's always something to learn. And most likely you're striving for big goals, no matter how those goals are, are set in context to your past and or what you've done before, there's always going to be more to go get and more to strive for. And that's okay. That's the beauty of it. That's why we do this. It's to discover new limits, 
and think, man, is there another limit beyond that? It's to push yourself to the edge and think, gosh, could I get a, could have gotten a little further. It's chasing those PRs and wondering, are there more seconds to go chase? Those, those are all feelings that are beautiful in and of themselves and is a part of the grit and resilience journey. So if that's you, if you're hungry, then that means you're gritty and resilient because you want more. And keep putting yourself in those situations to learn because it's a journey. It never stops. You never perfect it. And there is so much richness in this journey because you can take it and apply it to your future running journey, but you can also apply it to the rest of life. And that's where the real magic is. So those are your nine things. Recognize it's a journey. Always, always learn without judgment. Have the discipline to save yourself for the hard days. Stay positive. Challenge yourself with anything workouts. Seize the day by relaxing into it. Know and practice your mental tools even in workouts. Don't quit. And it's okay, absolutely okay to be hungry for more. Those are the nine things for grit and resilience. We'll wrap this episode here. Thanks again to my sponsors for this episode, Care of and Better Help. I'll link those coupon codes in the show notes, so go check those out. You can also check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.